0: Hello everybody, and welcome to episode 222 of Allied Strategies. My name is Tristan, joining me as always is my friend
1: Sam. Hello! Well, a- and my friend Ben. Wait, why did you say episode 222? Did I say episode 222? It's episode it says 224. On the show notes, yeah, it says on the show notes 224. You definitely
0: didn't say a 4. Okay, it's certainly but episode ben 224. I was paying more attention
2: than me to the number.
0: I was I, I was trying to think like I, I had some actions queued up in my head like I was going to move a window on my on my computer and so I didn't have that much processing power for like reading a number if that makes sense.
1: I think it's more oh, memory. It <laughs> um,
0: so this week we are going to prepare you for the Theros Beyond Death pre release and release events and Magic Arena launch and everything uh, with we're going to talk about some cards that we think are interesting in kind of any direction or any way in limited. Uh, so we're not. Gonna, it's not going to be like a thorough guide of what each archetype looks like, but uh, just things that stuck out to us as stuff that would be worth discussing. That uh, may help you get a leg up as you start playing with these things for the first time uh, in the coming days. So, uh, Sam, how's your how's your past week been? Though, have you been watching the, the Jeopardy tournament thing?
2: Oh yeah, uh, we we watched it actually conclude on yesterday. Um, it was very very fun. One of I was very very happy that it happened and. It seemed like it was incredibly successful. Ratings-wise, it outperformed like uh, NBA Finals games or, or uh, World Series baseball games. So it seemed like other people were into it, too. And uh, it was unfortunately kind of a, two, a two-person race. But uh, you know, Brad didn't really show up, which is unfortunate because he's really, really good, I think. So it was too bad he didn't get to actually do well. Um, but it was really fun to watch. So I'm, I was very happy with it. I also played in an arena qualifier this weekend. Um, I think Ben did as well.
1: And Only nominally, but yes, I, I I participated for a few rounds. It, it was the first
2: one I played in. I ended up you, so the the structure is that you either play until you get ten wins or two losses. Um, and if you get ten wins, you you know qualify. I lost the first round, so I was a little down on myself about that. I was like, oh, this sucks. You know, it's going to be an early exit. I woke up at seven a.m. for this. Then I won the next six and was starting to feel like you know. Maybe I could maybe I could put something together and then I and then I lost and that was that. So it was a fun time though. And that Enjoyed. that was an
0: MIQ, right? A, a Mythic Invitational qualifier.
2: Uh, yeah, I right. guess I guess that's what we're calling these now.
0: Okay. Are right. you sound a little sad about that state of affairs?
2: Uh, it's just a lot to keep track of. Yeah,
0: the, the acronyms know. do. Uh...
2: I'll just call them an arena an arena qualifier, and I think most people will know what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, there, <laughs> there's so many. I remember I've read this post about like uh, it defined like worlds as an A-level tournament and then B-level tournaments as tournaments that directly qualified for worlds and then C-level tournaments as tournaments that directly qualified for B-level tournaments and you could get down all the way to like F-level tournaments in, uh, in Magic Organized Play right now. Um, so
2: it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bit much for me.
0: It's a convoluted system for sure, and they're trying to synthesize qualification paths from local game stores, grinding the Pro Tour, um, or the, you know, the Players Tour and and Grand Prix stuff, uh, Arena and Magic Online, all of which have their, you know, their own individual incentives for, like, what kind of events they want to run for, you know, beyond the, like, qualifying track incentives that they have, so it's, it's really strange, um, A lot of balls in the air right now for for Wizards, for sure. Benjamin, how was your week outside of that? I I know you spent an hour or two of it playing that uh, arena thing, but beyond that, with all your extra free time, what were you up to?
1: Well, I was actually at a Grand Prix also, so Uh I wasn't really that torn up about losing very quickly. It was better than, um, you know, stressing out about double-queuing in the two tournaments. I think double-queuing is probably just a bad idea going forward, and I'm just going to try to pick and choose rather than...
0: Yeah, how was that um, going to work for you? Were you were you just going to try and play all your rounds before your GP round started?
1: Uh, I was going to try to play as many as I could, and then once my GP round started, I was going to try to play Win. between rounds, oh which was going to be difficult with an Urza deck, but not impossible. Co- but it didn't Corey really matter. managed
2: so to qualify between you know playing a double queuing system. Sorry, who did? Corey. Not this. But not this. That was German, last time, but, Right. Yeah, yeah. At, he he double queued a team Grand Prix with
1: uh with one of the invitational qualifiers
0: well a team grand prix is nice because if you're confident enough you can just concede
1: your game and go play your arena event the whole time <laughs> also wait did he actually qualify or did he just make day two
2: he made day two and then won on day two. Oh,
1: okay. he didn't
2: make day two in the grand prix so he did actually get to spend all of his time doing that but okay gotcha
1: yeah, like, in the future, like, GPs without buys, it doesn't really seem that feasible to be doing this, so I think I'll just pick and choose. My Grand Prix went okay. I went to X5, which, uh, weirdly enough, was the same prize that Sam and I got for our fifth place team finish at the SCG. Um But I also get, I guess, 10% of a Pro Tour invite. I think I will probably try to get the rest of the fractional invites, because... GPS are pretty reasonable. Like I don't know. I think your I think my equity in GPS is actually quite high given the current prize structure and attendance. So
0: what I'm is gonna the smallest... try to go to
1: a bunch of GPS.
0: What What's the smallest fractional invite size you can get? Ten. Ten. Okay. Yeah.
1: So X five is the smallest amount. I kind of I don't know. I kind of bungled it late in the late in the day. Uh, I don't think I played horribly, but I certainly wasn't getting very lucky. I was drawing a lot of repetitive copies of Box Opal, which is a bit of a a bummer.
0: Well, I have some good news for you about that. uh, Yeah. (laughs) We'll We'll save that for We can talk about that later. I certainly
1: won't be drawing any repetitive copies of that one anymore in Modern.
0: Um, Let's move on to thanking our illustrious friends and good friends of the podcast over at Patreon.com. Those illustrious friends are Kiki Jiki, Winchester, Kyle, MoosersBot, and T. Thanks so much uh, to them. And our good friends are Adam, Britton, Kyle, Caroline, Eric, Zach, Sam, Duncan, Baptiste, Wilson, Tobias, Paul,
1: Jarvis, Pass you.
0: Booster Therapy, Greg, Hot Soup, Ari, Ari, Phil, Rob, Matthew, and Will. Thanks so much uh, for your support over at Patreon.com. Love the choice of Pass there. Uh, I remember the, f- the first Ketobolpas we had. It's nice that they've made it like they printed now, so in the first errors they printed like a six mana unplayable three three katoblepas. Whoa! Wow! Unplayable. Whoa. Has been
2: called Grand Prix champion. Disrespect. Loathsome katoblepas. Yeah,
0: Grand Prix champion loathsome katoblepas. But you're gonna
1: you're gonna get Ari to revoke his good friendship of us if you keep dissing loathsome katoblepas. <laughs> katoblepas.
0: Yeah, I heard it called all kinds of things. Um... But it's, it's cool that they've gone back to the same well with, like, a similar mana cost and sized creature and effect on the creature for the Pass in Theros Beyond Death.
1: Well, this one is just good, right? It certainly
0: has more going on. It has less points of toughness, though, right?
1: Yeah, but it just ETBs to, like, minus 2, minus 2 at least, right?
0: Yeah, it doesn't die to minus 3, minus 3 uh, only. Yeah, De- def- definitely a little bit more texty of a card. Uh, this week we also have a question of the week from at MTG Sick Boys.
1: Wait, hold on! Isn't it less texty of a card? Didn't the old one have like another ability? The about old one has two must be blocked you blocked
2: or something. Oh, yeah, you could force them to block it, and when it died, you could give something minus three, minus three.
0: Okay, more relevant texty, I guess. I don't know. You're you're right. That that those are some words on the card. I don't know. Theros was my first limited set, um, so I, I was I, I was learning at the time which cards were good and which cards were bad, and at that level of the game. Uh, it was alert a lesson for me that loads of Kotoba Pass was bad, not you know. As I would eventually learn, Tristan, that there might be new slots. We just spent a of time telling in. you it's
1: not bad. Come on, Benjamin. It it's <laughs> very texty. It won a grand prix. Like, okay,
0: all right. Uh, anyways, we have a question you're... of the week this week from at MTG Sick Boys with a Z at the end there uh, on Twitter, who says hello what advice would you give someone who wants to start going to bigger paper tournaments this year? So magic fest, et cetera. Uh, So Benjamin, what, what, what advice would you give to uh, somebody who wants to do that?
1: Um, my advice would be to try to go with friends, uh, if you can and, you know, don't burn out on going to too many of them. Um, I think Grand Prix are a ton of fun. I love going to them. Um, and I would encourage you to go, but just don't get uh don't get too hooked. I guess.
0: Yeah, I've I've had this experience of like going to one Grand Prix, coming home and being like, "Wow, that was awesome," and then just going to the calendar and booking seven consecutive weekends of Grand Prix and then I, I
1: literally almost did that yesterday with New Jersey, and then or, just four four
0: weekends into that that process or that uh, stretch, you're just like, "I've made a great mistake. I've made an error." All right, let's move on to our card of the week segment. Then I didn't move. even get to answer the question. Fine. <laughs> What's your answer to the question, Sam?
2: Well, so first off, I'm confused about this Twitter handle, MTG Sick Boys. Do you think it's multiple people who all identify themselves as the as members of the MTG Sick Boys that share an account? Or how do you
1: think that works? Sam, I think it's disingenuous to complain about not getting to answer the question and then not answering the question. I was about to
2: answer the question. So... I was going to say that I think it seems like they maybe have already done my suggestion, which is find some friends to go with. If all the sick boys travel in a pack, I think they're pretty much good to go. And I I think that the best way to improve and to get into the game more is to just find some friends with a similar goal as you and spend a lot of time with them. Even if you're not necessarily playing Magic together, like you're just going to talk about Magic. You know, it's going to come up. And I think, you, and also hopefully you enjoy each other's company, That that is also important. But um, I think you'll you'll just sort of naturally find that you'll improve.
0: Yeah, you know, sometimes you can sacrifice enjoying their company just if they're pretty good magic players or whatever. Yeah, um, I mean, I hang out with Ben. So. Right. Um, so it, it can
1: be worthwhile. We were, we were all thinking about to work that those disses <laughs> in. You guys really ganged up on me, though, so I don't feel like it was very fair.
0: All right, let's move on to our card of the week segment. Benjamin, what is your card of the week?
1: My card of the week is Mox Opal. Mox Opal is a legendary artifact for zero mana. And it has Metalcraft. Craft. Tap Mox Opal for one of any color of mana. Uh, and you can activate this ability only if you control three or more artifacts. Mox Opal was banned in Modern. Very sad. Uh, I have enjoyed playing with Mox Opal for quite some time. I, enjoy- I played Hardened Scales at the PT. I played Affinity at the PT. I played KCI at a GP. I played Urza this last weekend. Like me and Mox Opal go pretty far back, and it kind of bums me out that it got banned because I actually think Mox Opal is a very fun card. I think that um, it encourages like like it forces some weird deck building restrictions, and the payoff like is obviously very powerful, but it's not it the payoff then forces more deck building restrictions like just getting extra mana is not a payoff in and of itself you have to figure out what it is you're going to be doing with the extra mana like how you're going to convert that into winning the game um, and Affinity does it by being able to play like cranial plating faster and like be aggressive faster and KCI does it by um, you know looping zeros with Mox Opal and, and just getting its namesake artifact and play faster or whatever um, but the I just think that the card encouraged it some pretty fun, permanent-oriented gameplay. Um, and I'm sad to see it die because we've slowly ratcheted up the power level of like random artifact permanents lying around to the point where needing the artifact permanence in order to turn on Mox Opal has not even been a cost. Like I, I think Arkham's Astrolabe is a really big... Um, like, villain here, of just being this invisible artifact that isn't really cool and or fun, but it just mi- it just reduces the cost of putting Mox Opal in your deck to almost nothing, to the point where Mox Opal is just like, n- like, it's just too overpowered for what it costs you. Um, and I think Arkham's Absolute Life is stupid and should be banned.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree with Arkham's
1: Arkham Astralite being just, like... It's just such a low upside print as well. I, yeah, I, I just I just don't like the design of the card. It's just too easy to play. It just... There's too many ways in Magic to convert a random permanent lying around into value. Um I just don't like how invisible and... Unf, like, it's just not interesting where your opponent just goes, turn one, play a land, play a random artifact, draw a card, go. You know? I, I will give some defensive Astrolabe that I think it kind of fit well
2: in the limited format and made the snow stuff a little bit interesting where it was like a real cost to consider whether you would actually be able to cast it. Like there were some spots where it looked like it would fix your mana and maybe it actually didn't because you had to like play some weird snow lands that you didn't necessarily want to play or whatever. Like I think it actually worked out okay in limited. I agree. So that that's kind of – I wouldn't say I, – I think no upside is a little hyperbolic.
0: Mm, i I, yeah i think i said low upside but
1: yeah i agree no one said no upside
2: okay i I must have misheard so Uh, ben i have a question for you now that mox opal's gone do you think they could free the artifact lands and do you think hardened scales would be playable if it got to play with like tree of Tales and maybe some off-color artifact lands
1: um it's been a long time since we've been able to play with artifact lands I would have to do a more thorough search of modern's card pool because just having zero mana artifacts lying around is dangerous. But off the top of my head I don't think it would be overpowered, but it's very it's very dangerous, so I'm not sure. I don't I don't know if the upside is there.
0: Alright, let's move on to Sam, what is your card of the week?
1: My card of the week is
2: Mycosynth Lattice. Um, which is a, a six mana artifact that turns everything else in play and out of play colorless and into an artifact and lets your lands tap for any color of mana to cast your spells. Um, this card was also banned recently uh, with in the same banning announcement with, uh, you know, to, to try to take a bite out of Karn the great creator. And I I'm going to go on record here and say, I think they got this one wrong. I think that, Mycosynth lattice carn was actually is actually not a bad thing to exist in modern and the real issue is uh, bridge from or er, ensnaring bridge. I think if Mycoc- if the way that mycosynth lattice played out was you spent your you know you spent your 4 mana then you spent your 6 mana and if your opponent had no board presence you won, I think that would actually be like you know it would be powerful and people would play it and it would be really good. But it wouldn't be the only thing going on and it wouldn't be so busted with Karn that I think you would have to ban it I, I think part of the the problem is that often the play pattern is you play karn you go get an ensnaring bridge now combat can't happen anymore and then next turn your opponent can't cast spells for the rest of the game and I think that is you know that is too much and tends to be too much So I kind of wish they had just gone after ensnaring bridge because also who likes in Steering bridge? Like that, that card sucks. It's not fun at all. Um, so that, 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 that would have been my preference.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It didn't seem to me like Karn the great creator was really like terrorizing the streets of modern. So the, the, the lattice band sort of confuzzled me, but it's I also guess... interesting
2: because I think Karn gets worse when Mox is not around, right? Like one of the things that's good at doing is stopping other artifact decks.
1: Yeah. Yeah i think they were trying to just be forward-looking and just decided that this wasn't something they wanted in modern and to ban it before like it became one of the best things to do because it probably would be one of the best things to do but i don't know I, i i tend to agree with you like it's not that easy to set up it's not like you it's not like splinter twin or whatever um you do need to have some amount of control of the board before you're able to do this. Like, your card does have to live. Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: I, I I don't know. Modern is an interesting one. It, it looks so alien from what it looks like five years ago, and I, I don't know... I don't know where the process for this started, but I, my suspicion it was when Splinter Twin got banned was when they decided that this was the direction Modern was going to go. Like I, I could see a Modern where Splinter Twin, Faithful Looting, and Mox Opal were still all around, and I think that banning Splinter Twin was really the first step to saying, "Hey, okay, none of these cards are are safe to exist here." Um, whereas I think that if you keep if you keep Splinter Twin in, you could maybe they, like that that could have maybe kept the whole thing in check. I'm Not sure.
2: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think people kind of yearn for the Splinter Twin days in a way that is more nostalgic than. Yeah, of course, of course, of course.
0: There's a lot of nostalgia for for Nerf or for Band uh, cards. Like, yeah, like I, I'm not sure
2: it. if Splinter Twin is the savior that people are making it out to be. I guess.
0: Yeah, at this point, I don't think that there's likely for the Like, I think that there's not. They wouldn't return to. These cards, once they've been banned, it's just too too high risk to unban them, and risk needing to ban them again.
2: Yeah, I mean, Grave Troll is the is the go to example for that, right? They unbanned it for a little bit, and then decided (laughs) to actually, actually, maybe that wasn't okay.
1: That was a low upside unban.
0: Yeah. All right, my card of the week is not a modern banned card. It is Thassa, Deep Dwelling. It's not even the god that is likeliest to be banned in modern. It's 3 and a blue for a 6-5 legendary enchantment creature god. It's indestructible. As long as your devotion to blue is less than 5, it's not a creature. And at the beginning of your end step, exile up to one other target creature you control. Then return that card to the battlefield under your control. And you can pay 3 and a blue to tap another target creature. So the thing that I am choosing this to be my card of the week for is that this actually returns creatures to the battlefield under your control, not under their owner's control. So uh, it's one of those rare blink effects that can be used to make temporary uh, gain control effects into permanent gain control effects. So uh, I don't have necessarily a a combo that I'm pushing as being a constructed viable application of this, Um, but I just think it's something very useful to know that may come up, and if it ever does, it'll be very big to be the person who knows that you can do this to... Uh, keep control of something permanently, so uh, that's why i selected it as my card of the week.
2: It's good with zealous conscripts in two ways.
0: Yes, <laughs> yeah, um, it's good with. I mean, it's good with all sorts of things. You know, like, mostly red cards are ones that gave you temporary control uh, of things, so it would mostly be in that setting, uh, and maybe mostly unlimited, where cards like active Betrayal or portent of portrayal, which is the one that I think we have in this set, um, also the the Acrone war, maybe. Yeah, the Krone war. That uh, makes that that's a very good combo. That those are two cards that might be constructed playable, as well, but probably not. I guess together. Although it is a combo, yeah. right?
1: Can yeah, blink too. enchantments. Also, that would be really cool. Yeah.
0: Uh, one target creature, so it can blink oh. only enchantment creatures. Yeah. Not creature, or not creature, not non-creature enchantments. Yeah.
1: Zealous Conscripts isn't in Pioneer, right? It is not. Yeah, it's not. I would be playing a lot more of it if it was. Probably, that's one of my favorite cards of all time. <laughs> yeah, that card's cool. Alright,
0: um Although like yeah, if this card's ever in cube or whatever, it's good com you you, you can kind of just like Infinite York people's things with um Vidalkin shackles, right? That Vidalkin Shackles games control, right? am my... I? Yes, yeah, yeah, that, okay. that works. Yeah, so that that uh combo if the, if you ever play a cube that has both those cards, for instance, is probably pretty potent. Yeah. Alright, let's move on to our main topic, which is limited cards. Card of the Week. <laughs> yeah, Card of the Week Part 2, the Re Card of the Weakening. Uh, Benjamin, what is your card of the card?
1: My card I want to talk about is Satyr's Cunning. Satyr's Cunning is a single red mana for a sorcery that is create a 1 1 red Satyr creature token with this creature can't block. Then it has escape, two and a red, exile two other cards from your graveyard. Uh, so you might think. That okay, so we all know one ones for one usually not that good in limited, but we have seen quite a few one ones for one with random upsides be playable in limited. Like uh the oh, one. Like life can't block. Line. Yeah, yeah, just
0: this one you can't accidentally block with. Look,
1: I'm not done talking. <laughs> My point was going to be that this card is not one of those cards, and that you should definitely not put this card in your deck. So you might think that being able to play a bunch of one ones uh, is like a card advantage-y, like you know, flashbacky thing that you could be doing. But a lot of the equity of one ones is chump blocking with them, because you know it turns out that one ones don't attack very well. Your opponent is very likely to have a two two. They don't do a lot of damage, so even when you do alpha with them, you tend to lose more creatures than you really deal than you really push through damage. So the cards that make like, putting this creature can't block on a 1-1 one, one is a huge downside. It is much worse than a piece of text like that on a 3-3. Three, three. Yes. So, especially I would I, keep I, this card far away from your deck as far as possible. Um, unless you have some way of, like, maybe sacrificing one ones for value, I, I could see as a way of putting this card in your deck... But, yeah, that was the thing I was going to mention was, like,
2: Soul Reaper of Mogies, or there there's a, there seems to be, like, a, a little bit of a sacrifice theme in Black Red that you could try to make happen.
1: Okay, I could see it being okay there, then, because it's sort of nice that you can have, like, an emergency 1-1 one, one as well, um, like, waiting in the wings. But don't don't expect to play this card on the fair and think that you, like... That because the escape cost is low, that it's good. Because yeah. it's not, it's very bad. We, we're looking for
0: cards that have low escape mana costs, and especially cards with low escape card costs. Right, number of card costs in limited. Yeah, right? I think
1: low low card cost is more important than low mana cost.
0: Yeah, but you know, if you're if you're creating something just to sacrifice it, then this is perfect for that because this is the smallest you get on both sides of that. Like the smallest. Uh, escape cost in terms of both mana and cards. So this is fantastic if your goal is to uh, to be you doing that, right? That's that's the one case where this is it's good, it's nice to have this as an engine in your deck. Um, but it is certainly not good value. Like you'd much rather play something like Underworld Ragehound, which escapes for three in it, for an extra mana and an extra card uh, to turn into a four-two that attacks each combat if able, right? Like that. That's the kind of thing that is cheap escape but is actually value, uh, whereas this one is, is not going to give you basically any value uh, on every time you cast it from your graveyard.
2: Yeah, it looks to me like there's a, a lot of escape commons, so you shouldn't go out of your way to play with the not-that-good ones, because they do have pretty extreme diminishing returns. Like They just are much worse in multiples. Yeah,
0: so look at, look at this card only as a, a combo enabler, uh, and not as a card that has any kind of value on it of its own. All right, Sam, what is your first card here?
2: So this is an escape card that I do think you probably should play with pretty often. Uh, my escape card, or my card is Underworld Charger, which is black and two, so three mana total, for a 3-3 three, three that also can't block, kind of a lot of that going around these days. Um, but a three mana 3-3 three, three can't block, and it has black fives, or black four, so five mana total. Exile three other cards from your graveyard to escape, so uh, for five mana and three cards. And then it also escapes with two plus one plus one counters. So three mana, three, three camp block on the front half and then five mana escape, uh, for three cards for a five, five that can't block. And this card seems quite strong to me. Uh, I, I, I when I was asking in our like Facebook group testing for the pro Tour, how good this was, the opinion seemed quite split to me. Um, I personally think this card is going to be really strong and one of the better black commons. Um, although, you know, you do have to make sure that your deck is aggressively slanted. Uh, I think there's, it's still just very good.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, so notably, none of the common or uncommon escape cards that escape for like five mana or less can block. Except for like maybe once, like they either all they all can't block or attack each combat if able, or they have very expensive escape costs for more than five mana. Um, and so that I think that's I don't think that's an accident. I think that Blizzard or Wizards really wanted to make sure that we <laughs> <laughs> that we don't get into this situation where we are you know we're, we have all these like controlled X that are just bringing back the same creature each turn to block with and then using their resources to mill themselves or whatever. Uh, it looks like that's not going to be a supported. Gameplay style, uh, at least at common and uncommon. I think that's a really good so, sorry, choice. What,
1: what, what was your claim, Tristan? Your claim was that every creature that exiles for five or less it escapes for block. five
0: mana or less. Yeah, I mean, so like Underworld Ragehound Hound can block, but it attacks each turn available, right? So it, it attacks immediately. Um, okay,
1: what if I what if I told you that there's a three mana four one that escapes for five, and it escapes with a plus minus plus one counter on it, and it is fully capable of blocking.
2: Okay, that I, one looks very good at blocking, yes. in fact.
0: Yeah, Loathsome, okay. Loathsome Chimera is the, is the one that I missed while I was, <laughs> I was trying to make this claim. Uh, I, I started looking through the cards a little bit ago, but yeah, good call. So there's one card that is an exception to this, uh, Loathsome Chimera, which is 2 and a green for a 4-1, escapes for 4 and a green, and is exiling 3 cards, uh, and it escapes with a counter, so it blocks as a 5-2 indefinitely. Yeah, that seems like it'll be a very good strategy, Um just blocking with that thing over and over again.
1: Yeah, your opponent is basically obligated to trade for it, too, if you want to trade for it, because, you know, what are you going to do, not block the 5-2? Yeah,
0: it's, uh, th- that, that seems like an insanely powerful card as well. I, I, I think that the Underworld Charger that you were talking about, Sam, is also very good, though. Like, escaping as a 5-5 five five, uh, and just keeping on ramming into your opponent every time you get three cards into your graveyard as a 5-5 five five is also very strong. Uh, I feel like both of these two escape cards are premium commons.
1: Yeah, that that's my prediction as well. Yeah, when Sam asked me how good it was, I said without looking at any of the other commons in the set, I predicted the fourth best black common. And Sam told me that I was too low on it. So, I don't know. Uh, I haven't seen that many other commons, but I do think that I was like, I didn't really think quite through how big it is after it escapes. Mm-hmm. it's so hard to block a 5-5. Five, five.
0: Yeah. Um, all right, my card is Bronze Sword. Bronze Sword is a single mana for an artifact equipment that says Equipped Creature gets plus 2, plus 0. Oh, and it has Equipped 3. So uh, the reason I've wanted to select this card is because when, when we look at magic cards, we're trained to look in that top right corner to get a kind of gut read of how expensive equipment are or cards are. But
2: The sword even points
0: there. Yeah, the sword is even pointing there in the art, so it's really trying to bait you. But what is actually the important mana cost on equipment is much more the one that's small and in the text box rather than big and in the top right. Uh, and in this case, Bronze Sword costs three to equip. It's going to be—I'm not saying that this is stone unplayable, but uh, do not be fooled into thinking that this thing is, is great or anything. This, this card is—at I, I, best, it's fringe playable, I'd say. Uh, and probably it's probably just not even something you should you should bother with at all. Like four mana for plus two plus zero, oh, and then another three mana if you want to move that ever is uh, extremely expensive. So don't be tricked it's, into thinking this is good equipment.
2: It's you kind know? of good if you combine it with Ben's unplayable card.
0: Yes. So it, it, if your if your goal is to assemble a clunky three one that can't block for uh, seventy mana, then yeah, that's that plays.
1: I also suspect that this card is going to be worse in this set than most sets because you have escape as, like, a pretty consistent mana sink over the course of the game, and this card is just—it's not a card that goes to the graveyard ever. Like, it's not a spell, it's not a creature that trades, so it just kind of hangs out, and it doesn't fuel your other escape cards.
0: And you're going to be priced into playing some—like, there are cards that care about auras and enchantments, so— you might be getting your fill of this sort of effect from that source, whereas this does not yeah, trigger it's, those it's cards.
1: A, it's so, a artifact. It's not even an enchantment.
0: That's right. a good yeah, it's
2: a, it's a non-constellation card. Th- this card is... Uh, wow, yeah, it's horrible. Th-
0: this is a bad card in a set that is hostile to it as well. So, yeah.
1: Uh, I guess maybe, there, might be some life, there might be a good number of lifelink creatures lying around, like because those creatures often go well with heroic or...
0: Yeah, lifelinkers, uh, flyers, of course, carry this well. Um, but it's still just like so bad.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> three three mana is just so much for this equip cost. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm off it. Although a card that I did just see that would be good with your uh, Ben's stupid one one that he likes for some reason is Thundering Chariot. Uh, it's a four mana three three vehicle with crew one, and it has first strike trample haste. So that's pretty good with things that make one ones. Um, you know, that's that's a little combo maybe. Still not interested in playing that thing, though, outside of planning to sacrifice it. Benjamin, what is your next card? Please, please pick a better one.
1: <laughs> oh, I did. My, my next card is Threnody Singer. Threnody Singer, I thought it cost 3 when I started doing this, and I thought it was good, but I now I learned it costs 2. So it's 1 and a blue. It has flash and flying. And when Threnody Singer enters the battlefield, target creature and opponent controls get minus X minus O until end of turn, where X is your devotion to blue, and it's a 1-3. So, this card is going to be one of those cards where you're like, man, I think my opponent has Threnody Singer, and you're going to think of how you could possibly play around it, and you're just going to be like, I can't play around it at all. <laughs> and you're just going to get got by this card, because it's really easy to get a two-for-one out of this. Like, a 1-3 flying for two is pretty average stats, I think, in these days of Magic. Like, it, that stat line alone is not good enough for a card to see play, Unlimited, limited, but Whoa, with, with enough with enough synergies, like you can get there, um, like a relevant creature type, or maybe like good equipment in the set, or something like that. Um, but this card is way more than just a one three flying for two, because the the trigger is just going to be you, you have so much flexibility about when you play this card. You can either attack and then they block, and then you play it, and you just get an easy two for one. Or they attack you and then you play it and you double block something and you get an easy two for one that way it's it's just gonna be really difficult to play around and gonna be really effective at doing what it does it also you know the ceiling on it is your opponent attacks you and thinks you're dead and then you play this card and you gain like you know five life or something and then you kill them on the crack back
0: yeah so yeah, I mean so.
1: Remember Fairy Duelist? Fairy Duelist, like,
0: it's, it's the exact same effect on turn two as Fairy Duelist, right? Like, minus one, minus O, oh, if you have one Devotion and a 1-3 body, instead of minus two, minus O oh, and a 1-2 body, right? That's exactly the same uh, in terms of which creatures exactly it can block off yeah. of. Um, like, the, the combination of Toughness and Reduced Power adds up to four on both of those things, right? Um yeah. And this one also has that upside of, in a, in a late-game situation, you know, your opponent attacks with a 5-5, five, five, and you can play this, and it'll kill zero of your creatures that you then triple-block with or whatever. Um, whereas Fairy Duelist did not have that upside, right? It would, that creature would still have be a 3 5 and take down one or two things. So, yeah, this thing's bananas. And price to move. Well, I
1: don't know I don't know about bananas, but it is certainly a good uncommon. <laughs> it's bananas, Benjamin. B
0: a n a n a s.
1: I think the 1-3 sizing there makes it... Like, Fairy Duelist was a fine but unexciting common, I would say. I think the baseline stat increase on this card is is big. Like, being able to block 2-2s two is just, just bre- bread-and-butter limited.
0: Being a high-toughness flyer in a set where there's some competitive auras that you might want to put on something, like, high-toughness flyer is begging to be enchanted. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, Sam, what is your next card?
2: My next card is Karametra's Blessing, uh, which is a single white mana, and it says target creature gets plus two plus two until end of turn. as an instant. Um, If that creature was an enchanted creature or an enchantment creature, it also gets hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. Um, And this card looks really, really strong to me. Uh, It's also interesting to note that I think white has the best combat trick in the format here. this, This looks to me like the best combat trick. Um, and, you know, sometimes you will need to consider the implications of this card when deciding when to kill their creature. Like, you might, you know, they might go to enchant a creature and you have, like, a removal spell that kills it that's just, like, destroy a creature. And sometimes you might want to wait and see if they play another enchantment on their creature or, like, wait for them to attack first. But because of Karametra's Blessing, you should make sure to just kill their creature before it becomes an enchanted creature. Yeah. And then, yeah, and also, you know, watch out for White having the best combat trick. I think that's kind of unusual. Yes.
0: Well, since what? Theros the first time, right? When we had God's Willing. uh, Which?
2: Was God's Willing the best combat trick in Theros? I I don't really remember that well. I mean, Dauntless Onslaught. Okay, yeah, I, I, I like... guess there
0: was Coordinated Assault as well. That was the red for two creatures getting... Yeah, that, that was the one I was that one mana. up. Yeah, yeah that, that, that that was that was nice. But that was uncommon or something. God's Willing was common, right? And so it's Charimetra's yeah. Blessing. Yeah, I mean... Plus two plus two is just already a massive effect here for one mana. Like, you don't need to... In Limited, you do not need to have very many enchanted creatures or enchantments. Uh, or sorry, yeah, enchantment creatures or enchantments to make this very good, right? Like... We're just paying life for plus two plus two and being pretty happy about it much of the time, anyways, right?
1: I think if you're in the market for a pump spell, it's it's a good one for sure. Um, It does compete in the same space as enchantments and yes, or the auras and stuff like that. Uh, But yeah, it's going to be about finding a balance. I mean, I think this card is going to be good, but I don't think many decks are going to play a whole bunch of them. That's just, there's diminishing marginal returns on combat tricks, and you know, this one also incentivizes you to play with auras and stuff like that, so there's just, there's just a limit on how many of those kinds of cards you can put in your limited deck.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Alright,
0: my next card is Nessian Wanderer. This is our old friend Seder Wayfinders, next printing on a new card. Nessian Wanderer is a one and a green for a Seder Scout, much like our friend Seder Wayfinder. Uh, and it is one three, so he's, you know, bulked up a little bit here. Uh, Constellation, whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, look at the top three cards of your library. You may reveal a land card from among them and put that card into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So, a couple of differences here. You know, this is not going to be fueling your graveyard, which would be very, very powerful in this set, so uh, it's not super-duper bananas. Um, But, this one does you know, give you repeatable source of card advantage every time you play an enchantment. Um, I think that Decks that play this and a handful of enchantments are going to be quite happy with it, uh, drawing a couple cards throughout the course of the game, especially if they are green decks that are interested in casting 7 drops, 8 drops, paying for their common escape card to return to the battlefield, which costs like 7 mana. Um, so I think this card will be quite good as, as long as you do have, say, 5 ways to trigger it. I'm not sure, though. What, what do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I think this effect is like very powerful in... I think Saviors of Kamigawa, there was like a three-drop that did the same whenever you played a Spirit or Arcane spell. And if I recall correctly, that card was very, very good. Um, It might have also had Soul Shift. I don't remember. Saviors was a long time ago. This card costs only two mana and has that same card advantage effect. Uh, I would like to see... I, I hope there's some way of converting those lands into additional resources somehow. Like, I'm not sure if there's good ways to use your sixth land in the card file, because you kind of want um your cards to go to the graveyard.
2: So, well yeah, so well typhon. If you're able to right, escape it, and play another spell in the same turn, that's really good, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, just just but, cast just
0: escaping Voracious Typhon, which is Green's common four four for four that escapes for seven mana and four cards uh, as a seven seven, it escapes for seven mana. So that wants you to, you know, hit some lands, to Yeah. Do.
1: I mean th- this card is obviously good I think just uh, oh oh two mana one three that even gives you a chance at card advantage and I think this card advantage is not just a chance it's like a uh, pretty consistent um, is going to be good
2: yeah. yeah and and also in red there's like ordeal of mountains blaze which is a uh, three mana discard a card draw a card and they they also brought back thrill of possibility so there's there. That's a couple of ways to use lands. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and this combines well with like you could play like kind of a turboy, rampy kind of deck because there are a lot of green enchantment based ramp effects. Omen of the Hunt is a three mana flash enchantment that uh, searches you for a basic land when you play it, so that you can curve this into that, and then you get you'll start build
1: your own Nyssa's pilgrimage. Yeah,
0: you'll start really pilgrimaging off, or you can get Wolf Willow Haven, which is one in a green for an aura that enchants a land and makes it tap for an extra green. Uh, and then once you eventually get enough mana you can then you can pay five mana and sack that haven for a two-two wolf um but so that like you if you this combines well with those uh other resource other ways to you know collect lands so uh you know if if you're in for a pound you can really get a lot going with this yeah rather than just being in for a penny yeah do it, it, it looks to if
1: you're me like there's are you usually in for a pound though
0: I'm not really sure it, it kind of I think... I guess that is what the saying says, right?
1: Yeah, the the saying is like, well, you know, once you've started, you might as well keep going. Right, yeah. So if you want to do Is the do saying that meant to convey wisdom, though?
2: I'm not what quite sure.
1: Say? Oh, you're saying, like, is it is it ironic? Like, is it, is it supposed to be, like, people who say this are dumb and stupid? I feel like whenever I'm saying
2: it, I'm throwing bad money after good. Or good yes. money after bad. Yeah, after.
0: yeah, I, I definitely know that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's using a fallacy to justify your bad play, yeah? All right, uh, Benjamin, you have the honor of selecting the next card.
1: Do I? Yes. Well, the next card is Relentless Pursuit, which is a sorcery for two and a green. Reveal the top four cards of your library. You may put a creature and or land card from among them into your hand. Put the rest into your graveyard. So... I wanted to know how good you guys think this card is. I think it is very good, but I'm low confidence. Uh, the reason I think is good is because it gives you a shot at card advantage, which is nice, like a, a divination, a green-style divination. Um, even if it's not card advantage, I think it's very unlikely you'll actually miss on it. Uh, I think most of the time you'll at least find one of the two types. And it does put three, like, spells in Theros, instant and sorceries are going to be better than average because of the way they go to the graveyard. And then this card just puts even more cards into your graveyard to fuel your escape cards. So I think, you know, it's I'm not saying it's going to be the best green common or anything, but I feel like it, it, it's probably going to be in the top three or four.
0: Yeah, so yeah, I mean, looking at this card as something that you usually finds two cards, but sometimes has this fail case of finding one card. Those kind of cards for three mana are usually not great, right? But yeah. when you think about the three cards that are going to the graveyard, three cards going to the graveyard is usually an escape effect, right? Like, you, that, that'll allow you to cast an escape spell. So that kind of adds a card's worth of advantage to both sides of that. So now this is something that's, like, often generating three and usually at least two cards worth of effect for two in a green. Uh, And that, I I like that. So yeah, I I think this is going to be good.
2: Yeah, I agree. It seems like this will almost always draw you one card. Most of the time draw you two and sometimes draw you three in that. I don't know. I I thought this card looks kind of comparable to me to, um, what was the one in a green card that you could choose creature or land? And then you flipped over the top four from Modern Horizons. Uh, Winding Way? Yeah, this looks kind of like Winding Way, but like, appropriately powered down because you know theros is not going to be as powerful as um as modern as modern
1: horizons was i don't know that that's kind of my read on this yeah i slept on winding way for a while too it it took me a while to to truly appreciate how good that card was
2: yeah I, i thought that card was quite good
1: so it's possible i'm overcompensating here but I don't know. Uh, th- three mana is a lot, even in limited. It is a lot for something like this, but uh, I, I don't know. I think this is kind
2: of just a green divination in a lot of ways, with a, like maybe even a little more upside.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah I, I, if... I like this is generally slightly better than divination. Uh... Yeah, I guess divination. Like one of the reasons it's good is it hit, helps you hit lands. I guess this maybe getting a land and a spell is definitely better than drawing two random cards, right? Yeah, I uh... think. I, I believe you would prefer... Yeah, if, if this
2: card just always drew you a land and a spell, I think it, this would be better than Divination.
1: Yeah.
0: I think this is better than Divination, yeah. I, I'm like... Okay, yeah, so there is a chance of missing, but I think that chance of missing is far smaller than the chance of the three cards going to the graveyard mattering uh, and being worth a card of effect. So uh, I'm in for this being better than Divination and being a actively good card rather than just a,
1: yeah.
0: a, a role player that sometimes makes the cut and sometimes doesn't.
1: Although divination would be worse if it were green as
0: well. Well, yeah, it depends on the format, but yeah. All right. um, Sam, it is now time for you to pick one.
2: Okay. My card is one with the stars, which is blue and three. So four mana total for an enchantment aura that enchants a creature or an enchantment. And it says enchanted permanent is an enchantment and loses all other card types. So if it has any abilities, it keeps those, but it's no longer a creature. So if you you know you enchant their four, their vanilla four four with it, they have a enchantment for an enchantment non creature that can't attack or block. So that's kind of weird. I don't I I have not figured out if this card is good or bad, and I'm curious what you guys think. My guess is that it's bad. Four mana seems like a lot for basically
1: a pacifism
0: so it's a pacifism that your opponent your opponent can't like use the
2: creature for creature effects either right
1: yeah it's a lot better than pacifism
2: I guess that's yeah but they can if it has like tap abilities they can still do that yes no
1: they can't it It still has its abilities abilities. oh no yeah they can't sacrifice
0: (laughs) a creature for it Uh, like that that will not work for it but it still has its devotion it still has its uh, all its active abilities and passive abilities um yeah <laughs> i like how they have to put this whole convoluted enchant creature enchantment thing because it turns it into an enchantment
1: and yeah, I was it would just really, fall
0: right off yeah i
1: was really confused when i read the card i was like what why do you put this on an enchantment exactly i don't understand
0: <laughs> i mean you, you can but it doesn't do anything yeah
1: <laughs> um <laughs> I th- Like, it's pretty close to Sleep Paralysis, right? I I think... It- I mean, it's hard to say whether it's better or worse than Sleep Paralysis, because, like, Unsummoned doesn't save your creature or whatever. Um, but, yeah. I th- think it's just going to be about the same, would be my guess, which is to say, reasonable, playable, nothing special.
0: Yeah, so notably this, like, gives you a blue pip, it gives you a t- Constellation Trigger... Uh, yeah, that's those effects true. Are, are potentially valuable. Um, your opponent gets to retain their pips, though, and all like they they can still do their tap abilities, which uh, sleep paralysis did not let them do. I don't know. My my guess is that this is going to be like one thing that'll increase the value of this as well is that your opponents are going to have like enchanted creatures potentially uh, against which
2: this sort of removal is uh, good. So what what so I guess to sort of narrow down my question, what percentage of blue decks do you think you play this in?
1: Sixty-five, unlimited. Okay. Uh, I would say like eighty. Okay, so that that's that's pretty solid to me. Then, where are you? Yeah, at? I think I think it's I think it is a solid but unexciting playable. I think I was closer it... to like forty was my guess. Okay, I, I think you will play it most of the time. But yeah, I really
2: don't know. This is such an odd effect that I, I'm not. Sure, how to evaluate it's
1: it? It's not that odd. It's basically sleep paralysis with like weird, different corner cases where the difference matters.
2: Well, do you? Yeah, do you ever enchant your own creatures with this,
1: like to you know
2: keep them safe?
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, if you just have like a tap You know, or... I never really
1: considered that. <laughs>
0: I don't know. You like, can. You just want me a uh, creature to, to die to your opponent's disenchant instead of their doom blade. All right, I guess that's reasonable, but I don't Is think it it's. Though? i don't think that's a reasonable thing to do now i've changed my mind
1: (laughs) yeah you can put it on your nadir kraken Mm. that way you can continue to make one one blue tentacle tokens no matter what if you okay i have another question let's say you control a daxos blessed by the sun
2: and it's enchanted with one with the stars if you play a second daxos do you have to sacrifice either of them
1: uh, I believe so. You're I, I believe it's just leg- two, yeah, two le-
0: legendary permanents with the same name. Okay, that makes sense. I think so, yeah. Alright, my card is Venomous Hierophant. Venomous Hierophant is a 3 and a black for a 3-3 three, three Gorgon Cleric at common. It's a 3-3 three, three Death Touch, and when it enters the battlefield, put the top three cards of your library into your graveyard. This card looks nuts to me as well. Uh... Like, four mana for a 3-3 three, three Death Touch is... It's a reasonably sized body uh, that will always trade for one of your opponent's cards, but it's not, like, one of those Death Touchers that your opponents can just, uh, you know, beat, beat with small creatures, right? Like, your opponent just tries to trade this with a 2-2. Obviously, that's not going to work, so it's big enough to uh, basically always trade with something good. Uh, and the Entering the Battlefield to Mill Yourself for 3 effect seems, like, somewhat similar to Draw a card, as we were talking about earlier, like... It's not as good as draw a card, but it's not that much worse than this set, I don't think so. Uh this card's just like a, a four mana two for one that affects the board and attacks pretty well. And uh I'm I'm in I'm into this card. I think this card's gonna be a very good common.
1: Yeah, this seems like uh just a very solid workhorse common that you don't take high but you put in your deck. like almost always makes your deck um Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that? So, how do you think
2: this compares to the Underworld Charger? I I think the
1: Charger is better. I believe they're best friends.
0: I I think that they are. They
1: definitely play very well. Like you, you
0: certainly do not want all of one and none of the other, right? Like it's even
1: insane that they really do. They're the they're three, four, five curve. Also,
0: yeah. Um, (laughs) So it's I don't know. Like I think that you want to. You probably want the first Underworld Charger before the first Venomous Hierophant. and then you want probably the first Venomous Hierophant before the second Underworld Charger. I'm not sure. sure ma- ma- maybe maybe not, though. Maybe maybe you can take another Charger, but you certainly would not... If somebody offered you five cards to put in your deck of a mix of Underworld Chargers and Venomous Hierophants, it's tough to imagine coming away with anything other than, like, a 2-3 split.
2: Yeah, I think I agree with that. My read is that Underworld Charger will make fewer of your decks, but be better in the ones that it ends up in.
1: That like, sounds like a very smart opinion. yeah.
2: That, like this card is good and goes in almost any deck, whereas Charger is very know, good but you, goes you, in fewer. You decks. need to be aggressive, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a little less, a little less straightforward. Hmm.
0: Although I don't know, I think even if your deck is defensive, Charger is pretty low. Like playing one card like Charger to just clock your opponent with. I think see is that's what I always
1: think. That's what I always think, and then I draw it, and I'm just like, "Holy crap! I wish this were anything else." Yeah,
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. We're certainly, we're certainly, I've certainly been there. Yeah. All right. Um, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. So yeah, next week we'll come back and we'll we'll talk about the first weekend of Theris events, probably, uh, and playing with those cards. I don't know. I don't know for sure. Uh, and then the week after that, we have like a time shifted episode lined up, probably as our plan. And the week after that, we might be missing a week. Uh, We're not exactly 100% sure what our schedule is going to look like yet. We'll we'll know more. We can talk more about it next week. Um, But that's just going forward what what the next couple weeks are likely to look like because there are some things in the future. Um, But in the present, Sam, why don't you tell us about an event that happened this two weekends ago, right? Two weekends ago at the SCG?
2: Yes, this was two weekends ago at the SCG. Um, Myself, Ben, and Matt are playing, and... Uh, you know, we're seven and two going into day two. We're we're talking, just hanging out, talking to each other. Cory, Cory Baumeister walks by and you know we're, we're all friends with him, so we're like, Oh hey Cory, how's it going? And he's like, Oh, you know, we're we're doing pretty well, I don't remember. Um and then and then uh we ask him what he's playing, and he's like, Oh yeah, I got an interesting Urza deck, and he's playing Urza with um with experimental frenzy in the main deck. And you know, he he tells us about it and he's like, Oh, so what are you guys playing? And we all tell him that we're playing, or at least I believe we all told him that we're playing Simic Urza. And uh, you know, we Ben and Corey have a little discussion about the very the merits of the various Urza decks. And uh that, you know, that's that. He moves on. Then we sit down to play against their team in the last round, where potentially top four is on the line. As it turns out, we beat them and they made top four and we didn't anyway, so it wasn't actually. Um, but we didn't know that at the time for sure. And we all think that we know what each other is playing until Matt plays a turn one gilded goose. And Corey goes, wait, you lied to me. He thought we said we were all playing the Simic Titan deck with, uh, with field of ruin or field of the dead. Um, but in fact, we were all playing Simic Urza. So apparently my opponent who was uh, Daryl Ayers mulliganed, like a hand that was pretty good against Simic Urza. It was like a, a slower but consistent primeval titan hand he was playing with uh, he was playing amulet in in favor of something to try to be a little more explosive um so i felt kind of bad but it w- it was pretty funny that we accidentally tricked their team into thinking we were just playing a completely different deck than we were
0: you just told them one thing and they heard a different thing i
2: like, mean yeah. it, you know it's like hard then- to say for sure cuz we we only have our side of it that we remember but i believe we all told them what we were playing <laughs> That is uh, that is quite, quite strange. Pretty funny, though.
1: Ben, do you have something to add? I was just going to say, yeah, like, we told Corey, and then Corey told his team, and, like, you know, there's some sort of telephone game going on here where it gets lost in translation, and Oko becomes Primeval Titan somehow, and Urza becomes, you know, Field of the Dead.
0: Alright, that is going to be all for us this week. We will unite again next week for more. Allied strategies.
1: Can we talk a little bit about how Illyrios is such a good card? Like such Which a card such that? a well designed card, Narcissus.
0: Oh, I fucking oh, love that card. That's the one that makes the reflection.
1: Yeah, just the fact that it's a 2-3 that makes a 3-2 is just the the best touch. I've at, like I I, like I really 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 like that card. That's one of my favorite cards in the set.